welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Emma. I'm Becky. And I'm Tash. Did you all appreciate how much I enunciated my name there? Yeah, you didn't say mama. No, I did it on purpose. I was like, <laughs> I'm Emma. I am Emma. <laughs> Emma is, is me. <laughs> Emma I am. <laughs> how are you, lovely ladies? All good in the hood, thanks. How are you? A lot less hot at the minute and sticky, which is nice. Yes, today has been cooler, which has been some nice relief. Yes. I'm okay. I um, I watched something that wasn't funny. Well, it wasn't supposed to be funny, but somebody had a funny name in it, and I know you guys are going to appreciate oh this. Oh my God, I'm so excited for a funny name. This one is one of the best names I've ever heard for two reasons. So I was watching a documentary. My kids at the minute are really into animal documentaries. Lovely. So we were watching a shark documentary about hammerheads. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all about these scientists that were studying it. And the main guy that was studying these hammerheads was called... (laughs) God, I've got to get this out. Was called Dr. Hammerschlag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wonder what he does on the weekend. That's how much he likes the hammerheads. It's such a schlag for hammers. I love names like like that correspond to people's jobs you know like there's every now and then it goes around on like social media like one of those memes where it's like like mr boot owns a shoe factory or whatever yes, it is i just yeah, think right yeah, yeah. It, well it amused me for the two reasons first reason he sounds like he loves hammerhead so much that he's a slag for them hammer mm-hmm. slag yeah. And also, if you say it really quick, it sounds like I'm a slag. So that made me laugh. All right, all right, easy, easy. (laughs) It's made me giggle all day. I'm very sorry to Dr. Hammerslag. Hammerslag. (laughs) But you know when something stupid just makes your day? I love it. No, I'm there I love it. I can see why that did. Yeah, that was mine. I've been thinking about it all day. Had a really shitty day otherwise, but yeah, that name that name got me through it. Well, I'm glad yeah. that name helped. It's the small things in life. It is, indeed. Mm. It is. So, other small things. I don't know whether you remember saying in the week, Emma, to remind you about Thumbs Up. Yes! So, we all know that I'm a massive fan of a high five. It's a well-known fact. What I'm not a fan of is a thumbs up. I just find them so awkward. I think a man doing a thumbs up is perfectly acceptable. But a woman <laughs> a woman doing a thumbs up is weird and a bit and a bit blokey. I used to work with somebody, a female who would thumbs up people all the time. And every time she did it, I'd like die a little bit inside. I just found it so cringy. But in how though? Was she speaking to someone like over a crowded room, like over the bar? <laughs> no, and no. it's like, oh, how many do you want? Two, three? All right. No. Like that. And then thumbs up with the all right. Or no. was it just like, hey, you're all right. No, oh, good. no. Thumbs it would up. be like in a work context. Like it would be like doing talking about something to do with work and then you know as the conversations come into an end she'd be like right yeah okay and then thumbs up like weird 
weird. Um, and then what really prompted me to think about this the other day was when I was driving. So, you know, like normally you do like, you might just do a little flick of the like your fingers off the steering wheel to thank someone. You may do a full on like, you know, air high five as such. You may, if the light's right, you may just like <laughs> smile at somebody, wait to thank them for letting you pass. Mm-hmm. On this day, I decided to thumbs up someone and I instantly got embarrassed that I'd done that. I was so embarrassed with myself. And I was like, why did I just thumbs up them? I just felt so awkward. <laughs> That's a lot better than the story I thought it was going to be about. <laughs> thumbs up, you up. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> no. um, me and Tasha are doing a sound test and uh, we were on, um, we were trying a new program and it had a video call so we could see each other. And for some reason, randomly, I kept doing a thumbs up, <laughs> which I, I don't, it was so awkward. I don't know why I was doing it. That's and I was so doing, awkward, like, the, aren't they? I was, and it was a double thumbs up yeah, with like weird. a stupid, stupid open mouth <laughs> smile. I have no idea. Yeah. No weird. idea why I was thumbs doing this. Thumbs up are is, weird, aren't they? And if we ever do have a YouTube channel, I cannot guarantee that I won't do that because no. it seems to just Listen, happen. Listen, I also can't guarantee that I won't thumbs up somebody again whilst driving. But like if a man, if I see men doing it, I don't think weird. I just think weird when women do it. Well, isn't that a bit sexist? Well, yeah, but I can't help. It's irrational, isn't it? It's it like is. An ick. It is. It's like when you get the ick. I give myself the ick when I thumbs up people. Yeah. But when Tash said she had a story about thumbs up, I was like, oh my God, is this going to be something about putting something up someone's no. arse? No. <laughs> well, Emma, you and Vendo, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love how it always backfires onto me being the filthy one. It's because you are. <laughs> That's not true at all. All that fingering, all that thumbing. <laughs> I'm a saint. I am yeah, a saint. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, where do you think I learned everything I know? Not from me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not copying for that one. <laughs> I think Rose thumbs up me a lot. She's like, Mummy, is it nice? Mm? But yeah, she is two and a half, so that's fine. Absolutely acceptable. Babies and kids can thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, but I think they're. But you know what I mean about how you, know, I when know you what give you yourself mean. the ick and you're like, ugh. And when you get the ick, it is irrational. And it is somewhat unfair. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I usually get the ick for really random things. Yeah. Anyway, should we get into this? Yes. <laughs> Becky, because we've been nothing but spooky recently, I think you should start us off. Yeah. I'll just put my beer down and... Boy, oh, lad. I've got a cider. Look at us getting drunk. Right. So because we have a lo- had a lovely guest last week... Oh, it was awesome, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was so good. Really, we really, really hope people enjoy it. Mm. And so she was so lovely, so down to earth. And um, so I thought I'd dedicate my story to her, kind of. This is a, a story that where it was a psychic that helped solve the case. Ooh, Ooh love it. I thought this one was pretty, pretty interesting. The victim is was a sex worker, so there wasn't actually it wasn't covered very much because it wasn't the um, blonde haired, blue eyed, perfect girl next door sorority girl. <laughs> mm. 
Back in 2004, 20-year-old Ashley Howley was working as an exotic dancer in a club called Columbus Dockside Dolls. Is an exotic dancer a sex worker? That's what they they said a lot in the... Um, yeah, it's still sex work. Is still it? Still working, yeah. What, being a stripper? Is sex work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything working in like the adult industries is sex work. Mm. Well, you learn something new every day. Better uh, retract my job offer. Your job application. Uh, what, have you been exotic dancing on? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one believes me then. Sorry, have you seen me dance? Oh, Tash, you're an amazing dancer, just like you're an amazing singer. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm usually very drunk with you when you're dancing. I'm actually so a really good remember. singer, so I feel like I don't know how to take that because I know I'm not a good dancer, but then does that mean... Oh, I thought you were saying you were a great dancer. I literally can't remember a single time seeing you dance, so... Okay, great. Okay, let's move on. I feel really awkward now. <laughs> I think when we dance, we just tend to... Either dance with a bottle Listen, in our hand or just point in the air and be like, yeah. I can do two-step. I'm a two-stepper. I'm a mum. I'm a two-stepper as well. And since I've stopped smoking, I'm at a loss and drinking because it was it was always fag in one hand, beer in the other, do the two-step. Yeah. And, that's, and that was my move. That was my go-to move. I mean, now I'm fucked. I tell you what we are good at, though, is strutting Ooh, through. Yeah. Like from the bar to the dance floor, I'm really good strut. at the strut. Yeah. Yeah. And I proper think I look the sexiest in the world. We fucking do. <laughs> but I really feel amazing. And then I'm like, can't dance since I get onto the dance floor. But I'm a good at strutting. Then get really awkward. Do you remember, Bex, when we were clubbing and uh, I decided I was going to wear some high heels, thought I looked fucking amazing. I was trying to do a bit of a strut. By the way, I don't wear high heels often at all. So I was strutting my stuff and then I got a massive cramp. Do you remember this, Bex? <laughs> I've had this story, and I love it. And that man swooped in. This man appeared. He, I think he actually, he came out of the floor and just raised, <laughs> raised up. He arose. Rise me up so and I rise up. And that's what he was like, and he was like, yeah. And then he was there, getting your cramps sorted. He was sorting me out while you guys just all stood in a circle <laughs> laughing at me. Was in he like absolute a sport agony. or something? He was a footballer. He's a footballer, uh, yeah. He was a footballer, so he knew exactly what to do. I mean, I knew what to do. I knew what was happening, but I needed some help, and everybody was just like, <laughs> look at Emma, she's in pain. Well, the music was so loud, and we thought you'd just fallen over. But then this <laughs> angel man, he knew what was going on. Yeah, then, he, he just yeah. swooped in from nowhere. Yeah. And then he said thanks, and then he disappeared. Disappeared <laughs> into the night. <laughs> I swear he clicked his fingers and like disappeared in a load of sparklies. He was a fairy. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think we saw him again. I never saw him again, ever. He just disappeared. Imagine he like, he's like, my work here is done. Goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Till next time. He was a cramp superhero that night. He was. The cramp fairy. I wonder if fairy. he has a cape. He, he should have had a cape. One. He yeah. should have had one, to be fair. It was one of those calf cramps, you know, the worst Ooh, yeah. fucking ones. Was it one yeah. you can see? But obviously, because the guy saw it. Uh, yeah, I think um, 
I think we did. Once I he started pulling it the right way, I could but see. But then every now and then I get the worst cramp ever. And, you know, when you can, like, see your muscle cramping and you're like, is there an alien inside my leg? Yeah, it's horrendous. I get that in my fingers. When my fingers cramp, I can see all the, like, muscles tense. Mm. But, um, yeah, so that was my strut fucked. First minute I'm strutting, next minute I'm on a chair with some random guy lifting my leg in the air, knickers on show. Oi, oi. Great. They were good knickers, though. You wore the right ones. Well, Definitely. Of but, yeah, still, I was cramp girl for the rest of the night to everybody in that club. <laughs> <laughs> no, we forgot it. We forgot it pretty quickly. <laughs> so. Right. Sorry. So she's an exotic dancer, Ashley. Yeah, in Columbus, in a club called Dockside Dolls. Nice. Um, she'd been dating a guy called Robert McMichael, who was 22. Their relationship was good for for about five minutes, and then very quickly turned very, very toxic. Uh-oh. Robert was very controlling, oh. violent, and obsessed, like very obsessive over Ashley. He sounds great. So we've got, is, was he jealous? Do you think that was the thing? I think it was. I think he wanted to have like a stripper girlfriend because he'd be like oh yeah all of his mates would be like oh yeah but she's hot but then didn't couldn't handle the fact that she was a stripper she was a stripper twat well she was an exotic that was the same thing isn't it so well i'm I'm saying twat i'm assuming he's a bad guy yeah he yeah he is it just turned out okay twat twat yeah he complete twat but also even if he wasn't a bit of a twat probably shouldn't like just don't if you're not going to be able to handle that don't date a woman that does that for a profession. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you can't handle it, fuck off. One day, um, Ashley was hanging out with one of her friends by the pool. And while she was with her friend, her phone wouldn't stop buzzing. Bombarded with texts from Robert saying that, you know, at the beginning it was like, what are you doing? And, you know, just the typical, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who with? And then because she didn't reply, they escalated and he got more and more angry and to the point where he was he said to her, I'm gonna kill you if you don't come home. That is very what dramatic. The fuck? Yes. Yeah, a bit of an over exaggeration. Yeah, like, Calm down. Well just showing the mental state of what he's like. This is the guy that she's dating at the minute. Bless her. And then so she went back to her apartment that night. And Ashley and Robert got into an argument, which, which escalated, and Robert ended up physically assaulting her. Mm, God. Piece of shit. I'm not sure if he gave her a black eye, but I don't I think she had, like, visible bruising. Um, the next day, on the 16th of June, 2004, Ashley had finally had enough of his shit. You know, he wasn't worth it. So she went down to the police station to report the assault. Yes! Good girl! Yeah, we can yeah. end that. Later that afternoon, Ashley was packing her belongings and then she sent a message to her best friend saying that I'm going to come to your house for a few days and lay low and just avoid Robert while this all blows over with the police. I don't want him to come around and confront me. She never arrived at her friend's house. Oh, no. Her friend was obviously very worried and reported him missing pretty quickly. Good. The police searched her apartment but there was nothing out of place. Everything looked in order, no sign of a struggle from what they could see initially. No indicators at all of foul play. Her car 
1995 gold Bonneville or Bonneville was found abandoned approximately one month later. So one month goes by, nothing, no one's heard from her, no sign of her whatsoever. Police obviously suspect the usual suspect, which is the boyfriend, especially the fact that they did have the report on file of what had happened of when she reported him for assaulting her, but there was no actual evidence connecting him to her disappearance. And also they didn't have a body. They're kind of thinking it's possible that she's just taken off, but then left her car. That's If you're going to take off, you'd take your car at least, especially if you're not going to go and I'm going to tell anyone, but they they did suspect uh, foul play. They didn't think that she'd just gone missing. So the case went cold and that was it. Oh no. Nothing really happens for a while. Right, so this brings us to the other person involved in the case. Kirsty Robinette is a psychic medium who says that she's able to talk to the dead. Kirsty had first started having visions along with other psychic abilities when she was three. So it's, it must have been something that she was born with. Yeah. At first she wasn't very into it, Very, she didn't really recognise it too much to be what it is, and uh, it took her a while to accept her own gifts. Then she had finally realised that it was her true calling. Oh, good for her. Yeah. I think it was one of those things that maybe she was a bit like, this is weird. Yeah, I, I can imagine. This. I think that's a normal yeah. response at first, especially if you don't come from a family that sort of, open to that yeah yeah she she had a very strict religious household which i think might have been some of the reason maybe that she was just kind of ignoring it yeah and then um one night she's in bed and this is about year a year after ashley's disappearance kirsty was asleep and then she said that this ghost came to her it was a ghost of a young blonde woman and she woke her up and she said that she, um, she'd she been murdered. The person that murders her is, is not being caught, and she's uh, lost, like, stuck. She can't, she can't pass over, and she's kind of stuck in between because she wants the person that murdered her to be, to, to be brought to justice. But it was very, like, shadowy and flashy, I think, at first. Um, she said that her name was Ashley. That was it, really, the first, the first time. It was a bit flashy, but so clear as well at the same time. Yeah. And apparently she had already helped authorities in certain cases, missing people. But this is the first time she's ever been contacted directly by a spirit asking for help without being on the case, you know, looking for things. This is the first time it's literally come out of the blue. She's in a different state completely. Never heard of this case. Although spirits often appear to look human, she says that the girl had like a grey tint and was partially translucent, almost like a black and white picture. Which is, well, is that what, not what Angie said? I'm pretty sure that's what Angie yeah, said. I was just going to say, did. but I wasn't 100% sure. She said something appears black and white and other things appear in colour, but I can't remember which way, it w- which yeah. way around it was. And um, so, but she was like partially translucent as well. I think she said it was something to do with, you know, when it's a, you know, when they're like on repeat. Yeah. So like residual energy. Yeah, they're in colour, but then when it's a spirit and they are like, haven't passed over, that's when they're black and white. That I'm sure that's what she said. Yeah. Okay. 
which which actually makes sense. Yeah. In terms of residual energy is like a repeat. They repeat, don't they? Residual energy. Mm. Yeah. So Kirsty would um, later say that she could tell that she was a spirit that had not crossed over and just needed help. Mm. Like I said earlier, she had no prior knowledge of Ashley's disappearance. So she searched the internet. So this is what, 2005 internet. So it wasn't the best. Wasn't the worst. How do you even research that though? Like, what do you even put? Um, well, she put um, missing. Oh, she um, knew her name. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, and she knew she was in about her twenties. Okay, she fine. didn't say how old she was. Yeah, uh, but she knew how what she looked like, and she did say that her, her name was Ashley, but not her full name. So she searched the internet looking for unsolved murder cases and missing persons. Uh, first, in her own state of Michigan. And then when she couldn't find anything, she searched like all over America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when she found, eventually she came across Ashley's missing person case. And she immediately recognized the girl in the photo to be the ghost that came to her. At God, that, that must be such a weird feeling. I bet, like, the, if it was a film, the music would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? But not like, as in like the beginning of Netflix. Uh, like a spooky dun <laughs> I can dun dun dun. Like a ah, uh, I don't know. You know what they what they do. You know what I mean. Oh, what about a da 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 See how nobody joined in there with your cash. Yeah. Not allowed. <laughs> Gotta let you have your thunder. Let me have my moment. This is my moment. <laughs> Kirsty went to the authorities to tell her story. This is what I found a bit weird. Um, investigators put Kirsty in contact with Ashley's family. I reckon it's because the investigators trusted Kirsty because she mentioned earlier that she'd already worked with law enforcement. They tend to keep yeah. it on the hush-hush when they do talk with, with mediums because, well, because some people don't take it seriously. And also, yeah. you know, a, a psychic said so doesn't really hold, yeah. you know, won't not, hold up in not court. Not much of a case, is it? Yeah. And so they put her in contact with the family and she was able to provide a detailed description of the clothes that Ashley was wearing when she was last seen. Throughout the course of the investigation, Ashley's spirit visited Kirsty several times and provided more details regarding what happened to her. She said that she wanted her killer, who was her ex-boyfriend at the time, to serve time so that she'd get justice. Um, obviously, she was, what's the word, like an angered spirit? Well, she was like a lost soul, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, she wasn't at she wasn't at peace. I think I think very reasonable. She wanted justice for for her death. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the next few years, Ashley visited Kirsty many times. Ashley presented images of light coloured pines where her body was. So one day, Kirsty was like, "Right, let's go to Columbus and try and find." Ashley's body because she's been sending her like these visions and images and she got quite a lot of information written down now and she wanted to to see if she can find something. Kirsty met up with a relative of Ashley's and they went to a national park in the area. While they were walking around they came across a park ranger and said 
kind of what they were looking for, like lighter pines and some other things, some more information that Ashley had given them. They asked the arranger if they if there's anywhere around here like that. And the ranger said, no, there's none, nothing like that in this area, but he knew where some were. He pointed them in the direction and explained how to get there. And they found this area of this forest, which was very similar to what Ashley had mentioned. And eventually, Kirsty felt that she'd found the spot where she was oh, buried, so that she could feel it like vibrating through her. She knew it, it was here. They call law enforcement. They say, look, I think it's here. They brought in cadaver dogs, but the cadaver dogs didn't find anything. This was quite a few years later as well, even though they they are trained for that, even if it has been a few years. Authorities wouldn't dig because it was on private property. Is that a thing? Yeah, they would have to have gotten a warrant. Yeah, Without the dogs signalling on the land, there's no probable cause. They have to have a probable cause to get a warrant. But the thing is, if that was my land, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead, dig up, dig up some... To get some dirt, I don't care. <laughs> it was just like I forest land. The land's used yeah, if it for. was like your garden, you'd be like, "Well, I'd rather not." <laughs> but <laughs> it was, was like a, more it was like if a wood. it was crops. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it wasn't. It was like a wooded area. So if you dug that up, like I really don't think. I mean, they weren't going to knock trees down because it was just buried there. They didn't bury her under a tree. Yeah. Anyway, so they wouldn't they wouldn't go any further with it because the dogs didn't signal on the land. So the years are still going by now. That was that was it really. They didn't do any more with that. Ashley's mum, bless her, died in two thousand and seven oh, without finding out what happened to her daughter. Oh, that just fucking sucks. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Awful. So meanwhile, Robert McMichael. Robert McTwatface. I think that that's why I got confused. I put Robert McTwattington. <laughs> I was like, what? Who is this person? Yeah, Robert McTwattington. Um, McMichael was, so I was thinking it was a new person in my notes, but <laughs> I was getting a bit confused. Meanwhile, throughout all this, Robert is free, but also he is, because he is a piece of shit, he is getting in trouble over and over with the law again for various other offences, including drugs, robbery, drink driving, and even attempted murder. He sounds like an absolute treat. Yes. In 2007, Robert was living with his mum, 49-year-old Barbara Rush, and her 43-year-old boyfriend, Greg Barty. Robert, as we already know, was a piece of shit and didn't contribute anything to the cost of living for his mum. He didn't pay any rent, didn't pay any for, for any food. He was just freeloading off his mum. Parasite. Yes. Uh, it got to a point where Barbara and Greg were having trouble paying the mortgage. Uh, Barbara had a long-term drinking problem, and Greg at the time was finding it hard to get a permanent job. So they decided that they need to really kick Robert out and rent out that room to get a little bit of extra income so that they can pay the mortgage. So this friend that they're renting the room to agreed to buy the house from them eventually. But at the minute, he's just renting the room. Obviously, Robert didn't take too kindly to being kicked out of what he probably felt was his house because he sounds like an entitled piece of shit. But he did move out. He moved out and uh, Barbara's friends moved in. That Christmas, the new roommate went to stay with his family for several days for the holidays. And when he returned home, 
and he realised that his car wasn't there. So his own car wasn't there. So he must have, I don't know, he must have gone away on the train or something. He didn't take his car when he went away for the holidays. I think in America they fly everywhere, don't they? Yeah, I think it might have been that taxi to the airport. It's so big though, isn't it, America? It's huge. Pretty big. Yeah, isn't Texas three times bigger than the UK? Something like that. It's huge. We can say yeah. I'll, yeah, I don't know. everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> I'm just trying to blab so I can find my space again. I keep losing it. There it is. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. Was very random. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he came home, realised his car wasn't there. Thought that was strange. Thought maybe um, Barbara and Greg had moved the car for some reason. He goes in, silence, no one in the house. Uh-oh. Which also was strange because Barbara and Greg said they were staying home for the holidays and having the holiday, you know, having... I don't like where this is going, to be honest. No. So he went up to their bedroom and knocked on the door and there was no answer. He just knew he had a really bad feeling. And so he tried to open the door and their door was locked and they never locked the door. So he felt, so he really, like I said, he had a bad feeling and he um, kicked the door down. Good. And that's when he made the horrific discovery of Barbara and Greg's bodies. Poor guy. So he called the police straight away. He said they were obviously dead. You know, there's no ambulance to be called. He called the police straight away and didn't disturb the crime scene. Greg had been savagely beaten to death. Oh my God. And Barbara had been strangled. Their bodies had been there for at least two days. The detectives grew suspicious of Barbara's son, Robert, very, very quickly when he wouldn't return their voice messages. I mean, that's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, he wouldn't answer their calls. They'd left messages for him and his phone was still on, you know, like even days later. So if he'd lost his phone, the battery eventually goes flat, doesn't it? Yeah, it would die, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so he's definitely been picking up these voice messages. And he does something really weird, does Robert, is uh, the media turns up. And I think this, again, shows what a piece of shit that he is because he goes and speaks to the media before he speaks to the police. As he's being interviewed by the media... He said that he'd last seen his mum and Greg on, on Christmas Day and he was like throwing it in there that his mum had a drinking problem and seemed really sad. And But he did say as well when the when the interviewer asked, have you spoken to the police? And he said that he hadn't spoken to the police because he didn't trust the police because of previous offences. Because so. you're a criminal. Yeah, I was going to say that's what happens when you're a fucking criminal. Yeah, it just seems like a real big, a big show to make himself look a bit like a victim in it, like victimised by the, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just bigging himself up. I don't know, it just just annoyed me. So police looked, obviously because Robert isn't coming forward, they look into him anyway, looked at his previous, what he'd been brought in for and stuff, and they did find a report that had been made earlier in the year by Barbara, Robert's mother, saying that Robert was being really threatening and wouldn't let Barbara leave her house. And he'd like locked her in and wouldn't let her leave. She later dropped the charges, but they still had the report on file. And then they eventually found the roommate's missing vehicle abandoned, just the same as Ashley's was. Robert, as mentioned, is a piece of shit and missed a court date for... One of the charges that he had a court date for one of his drink driving offences that he'd done and that he didn't turn up for. 
So when that happens, there's a warrant out for your arrest. Detectives took advantage of this and arrested him. Good. Robert would eventually admit to killing both of them. He beat Greg with a shovel and strangled his own mother. And when you strangle people, what it takes a long a time. Piece of shit. He strangled his mother. Yeah, that's I mean, not okay. I'm not okay with that, okay? Absolutely. Mom, I'm not going to strangle you. No. I mean, beating someone to death with a shovel and strangling your mum. It's so awful. I don't know. They're just um, very conscious act. Yeah. I just think there was all that time as he was beating him to death with a shovel and the fact that it takes quite a few minutes to strangle someone. It's not like on telly where it takes about 10 seconds. It takes a long time. And he had Mm. all that time to think, this is wrong. I'm going to stop this now. And he didn't. Another piece of shit thing that he did. Sorry, I'm going to say the word piece of shit a lot, but it's instantly, it's just what he is. He just completely is awful. He went back to their house two days after he killed them. So the same day that the roommate got back, but before he got back, and stole their TV and DVD player and pawned them off. Yeah, he's a psychopath. And he pawned them off and he made $130, so their lives were worth $130. No, he's got a screw loose, man. Yeah. When you pawn something off, don't you get a receipt and some some sort of trace there? There must have been because they found it. And Mm. uh, I don't know. Just obviously him. After his arrest, one of Robert's friends came forward and told police that Robert had confessed that he had killed Ashley back in 2004. And at the time, after he killed her, he rang up this friend. He was called Garrett. And Robert rang him up in 2004 and said, I've just killed my girlfriend and I need help burying her body. And uh, what, and he did? And he did, yeah. Garrett's obviously a piece of shit too. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because I'm I'm going to defend Garrett a little bit without knowing more of the story. Might be a piece of shit. Yeah, but he came forward like years later. And maybe, I don't know what it was for. I don't know if he had pro- trouble with the police as well and he was kind of lose- using it as to get a short Leverage, uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. I didn't find anything about that. But yeah. No, but honestly, if I, like Bex, if I rang you and said, I've just killed somebody, I need help. Would you call the police on me or would you come and help me bury the body? It, to be fair, it would be depend who it was. <laughs> I like to think I like to think I'd say to you, yeah, I'd come and help you. But I don't know if I would, if you know what I mean. But let's like no Well it's come all on. coming out. <laughs> it depends. If it was like I don't know, like someone that really deserved it. Well obviously I'm not just gonna kill somebody like who didn't have it coming. I'm not going to kill anybody, just so we're clear. If you were like, oh, Becky, I've just killed this homeless person just because I could, and I want to bury him, I'd be like, no, Emma, go and hand yourself into the police right now. I think the problem is that we're reasonable people, so it's hard for us to even comprehend that because the likelihood of it happening to us. Well, my world's falling apart because you were my body-burying bitches. Yeah, I mean, this, to be fair though, Emma, this is recorded and is going out for a lot of people to listen to. So, wink, wink, no, I won't help you. I don't have a spare carpet in the garage for this kind of reason at all. No, I wouldn't do that. To be, oh, no, absolutely. I'm not going to kill anybody. But hypothetically, <laughs> you know, there are a few people I feel like I could call and say, I fucked up and I need some help. And, you know, you two were on the list. Not anymore. Aww. 
I'm I'm okay with not being on the list, to be honest. Like, I love you, but I don't I don't want to be on that list. I accidentally oh please don't arrest me. French please. I accidentally stole you know the bags that you're supposed to buy? This was a few years yeah. ago. I stole it by accident. And I didn't realise I'd never paid for this bag and I felt really guilty and I was like, I was thinking about it that night. Oh, mate, you need to get over yourself <laughs> worrying about that. <laughs> this, was years, this was a long time ago and I was like, oh, no, that's not what it was. I had a sc- mascara in the bag. I was thinking it can't be just a bag. It was a whole mascara. So I accidentally stole a mascara and I was like, what happens if I go back to the supermarket tomorrow? And they were like, there's the mascara thief. And, uh, yeah, so I fleeced the supermarket out of £10, and I felt really bad about that. Do you not feel bad about that? Wouldn't you feel bad about that? I feel guilty about everything, so knowing that I've buried a person, I'd feel really guilty about it. You're not going to be any good. No, the the fact that people go through questioning for hours and hours, to be honest, I couldn't be bothered. I'd be like, yeah, sorry, yeah, I did kill that person. Can I go home? Can I, you know, arrest me now? I've finished with this. I really can't be bothered. I'm just going to go on house arrest until I go into prison. I really can't be bothered with this whole questioning. And I'm just going to fold. I'd absolutely fold completely under questioning. I'd be terrible. Absolutely okay. terrible. Well, I know where I stand in the in, in <laughs> bearing body department now. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Australian Tom, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So Garrett came forward. And um, said that he remember he knows where Ashley's body was buried. What they did, and the reason why they haven't found her yet, is they buried her quite deep in the ground and then poured cement over her and then mauled oh. her on top of that. Everything is done with such intent. Yes. Well, they didn't want anyone to find her. And- no, I get that. But this is my point as well. Like, let's face it, girls. If, we're, if we do murder someone... And we decide to be good friends to you, Emma, and come and help you bury that person. I'm also really lazy. I don't know that I'm going to do a very good job at it. Have you tried digging a hole? It's so hard. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, make is. sure you do it when the soil's not too, not too wet. It, not has too a, it, has, it hasn't like, rained in like three weeks. If you'd have killed someone this week, Emma, we'd yeah. be... It was 40 degrees the other day. I would have died. I'd have yeah. been in the hole with this person. You'd have to have buried two people. What about when it's cold and the ground's frozen? Oh, no, I'd have to be out there. Me and Tash would be with the hairdryers trying to melt the floor. <laughs> Melting the floor. No, I mean, to be fair, come on, let's face it. I'm not going to I'd just be like, no, nah, shove them in the fire. Must burn them and then filter out the teeth. That's all we do. If I ever killed anybody, I would instantly be on the phone to the police turning myself in. Exactly. I just couldn't live with it. No, Even if the person no deserved way. it. No, and I'm the kind of person that hasn't done anything wrong and will drive past the police and still feel incredibly guilty like I've done something wrong, even though I've done nothing <laughs> wrong at all. Yeah. <laughs> do you not do you guys not get that? No, I thumbs them up. I thumbs up them. <laughs> <laughs> and then cringe forever. <laughs> no, all of a sudden I'm like. What if there's a shit ton of drugs in my car? <laughs> and you I know. forgot. Yeah, what if I forgot about that time I was a drug lord? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never done drugs. There is no reason for any drugs to be in my car. But what if? Yeah. What anyway. If what if I've accidentally taken the wrong car and the ca- the key also works in this car and it's someone <laughs> else's car full of drugs? To be fair, completely on accident, and it didn't, I realised straight away, 
But my car key, a long time ago, I was around someone's uh, house babysitting and I accidentally got in their car to go because they had the same kind of car and my car key worked in their car. Oh. oh. I know. Well, that's Very odd. That's weird. But I, I realised, obviously, before that it was not my car. And also, the other day when I out shopping, I tried to get into somebody else's car because it looked like my car. And oh. Ben was like, Emma, that's not us. And I was like, oh, shit, thank fuck there was nobody in there because that yeah. would have been embarrassing. We came out of the uh, we came out of the supermarket and we were all together. We went up to this car and there was someone sat in our car and I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, no, it's not. That's not our car. <laughs> it was exactly Can you imagine, moment. though, if there had been somebody in the car, I'd have just got in and been like, oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Wrong I'm car. Now, I'm now your wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck with me now. Maybe that's why I can find a boyfriend. Just getting... Oh, my God. Should I go to Tesco's on a Friday night? Because that's in my head just when all single men go shopping. And just, like, go get in their cars and just sit and wait for them. Well, and be like, five-second rule. And we're married now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now your wife. Uh, I feel like that could either go two ways. Either you get a husband or you get murdered. Oh, shit. You're always so negative. I'm sorry, babe. Oh, you'd be like, we're married now, so what's your last name? And they'd be like, oh, I don't know, something really like Longbottom or Poobottom. Hammerschlag. Like, oh, Hammerschlag. I think I'm <laughs> Tasha Hammerschlag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Anyway, Tasha Hammerschlag. I do like. I, I think it has a ring to it. And he's a researcher, and he looks. He looks after sharks. How badass is he? Sexy. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna really at the end of my story. So I'll just finish. I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Yeah. So yeah, that's how they buried her body. They um pulled cement over her, and that's why the cadaver dogs didn't find her because of the cement. So Garrett led them to the body with the exact spot that Kirsty had found a few years earlier because they um, had, like, kept it on the map, like, mapped it all out. Yeah. It was the exact same spot. That's spooky. Robert eventually took a plea deal because of all the evidence against him was enough to get the death penalty in that state. The plea deal was no death penalty if he admits to killing Ashley, because then at least uh, they get him for that too. So he got 15 years to life for Ashley and two life sentences for Barbara and Greg. So he's never getting out. Good. Ashley's family then got her remains back eventually and they had her cremated because that this broke my heart. They said that they didn't want her buried again. Oh, so they had her course. cremated and they've put her with her mum, so they're together now. Oh, that's heartbreakingly nice. Awful, but nice, but also heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And are they still in touch with the psychic then? I mean, does the psychic now, has she moved on? Do we know? She, I had a look. She has got a website, and um, she does do readings and stuff, and you can get in contact with her, but I didn't, I didn't dare contact her. <laughs> But yeah, she has got a website on that, but I don't know if she's still in contact with uh, with Ashley's family. Oh, I hope Ashley moved on after that. Yeah, I think that was it. I don't think she had any more apparitions after that. She was happy with her. I think she just wants, wanted to get back to her family as well and yeah, get some peace. Oh, man. Spooky. Yeah. yeah. And also murdery. 
I'm murdering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You uh, ticked all the boxes there, Bex. Well yeah. done. Oh, and <laughs> do you know what's really creepy, Becky? No. I've also got a spooky murdery story. Ooh. Ooh. So on subject. <laughs> I'm really proud of you both being really on brand. I know. And you're bringing the thumbs up and high fives. Everything's mm-hmm. going so well. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your story, Bex. That was a really cool story. Yeah, oh, thank, thank you, you. But also sad. I really thought it was a, it was a good one. It yeah. was a good one. But it was kind of not a happy ending, but a satisfying one. We got justice in the end. Yeah, he's never getting out of prison, so. Yeah, but I hope that Robert never, ever, ever, ever gets out it makes me a bit nervous when you do the ones where they're still alive because what if they get out and listen to our podcast they don't know where we live this Mm. is true france is big it is big it's almost as big as texas i hear (laughs) (laughs) wait it's three times bigger than the uk Okay, so my story this week, I am going to tell you all about the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas. So my sources this week were thecrescenthotel.com, thesmithsonianmag.com, iloveeureka.com, and legendsofamerica.com. So thank you for all the information. Legends of the America. So, in the Victorian village of Eureka Springs in Arkansas stands the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa. Ooh, I love a spa. The 78-room hotel is not only known for its historic heritage, but also the plethora of spirits that reside inside. That's a good word. It's a breathy word. I love that word. (laughs) Say it again. Plethora. Plethora. Say it again. Plethora. (laughs) Plethora. So there is a plethora of spirits that reside inside. You're right, Tash. Yeah. (laughs) Making it one of America's most haunted hotels. Sorry, does anyone have a (laughs) mop? That is disgusting. Did you just ask if we had a mop? I didn't execute it very well, though, because I laughed too soon. (laughs) Oh, dear. Plethora. (laughs) Is it doing stuff to you? (laughs) No, I'm just playing on it now, but it's now reminded me of, you know, in The Lion King when they say Mufasa. (laughs) Mufasa. And the hyenas just like... touches. (laughs) No, but the the hyenas go really giggly, don't they? All right. Yeah, is that who we are then? The hyenas and that we're not. Yes. We're not the lionesses. <laughs> we're the stupid hyenas. Yeah, yeah. and wouldn't um, Simba and Nala be related? Really, wouldn't they have the fame? Dad? Don't ruin it, mate. Just let's let's leave the magic alone. Oh fuck, Becky! <laughs> <laughs> I actually heard Tasha's childhood just break. <laughs> Oh, is that what that snap was? Sorry, darling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they would have been half siblings. Yeah. All right, then. Go on, then. Okay. What are these plethoras of... Of spirits. So, as always, it has a rich but also macabre history. And that's what we love. So, I thought it would make perfect sense to use it for the spine chillers and serial killers story. Yeah. 
So in the 1800s, Eureka Springs was famous for its healing waters. That's how the village got its name. And hordes of people would go there and try to cure all sorts of ailments. The Crescent Hotel developers decided to make the most of the travellers and built one of the most luxurious hotels in the country. They brought in a load of stonemasons from Ireland and had to build special wagons to carry the heavy magnesium limestone that they used to build the hotel. They built several towers, overhanging balconies and a massive fireplace in the lobby. The building had electrical lights, modern plumbing, steam heating, an elevator and extensive landscaping. The hotel cost a total of $294,000, which was a huge amount of money at the time. Yeah. It, It was. So very soon the wealthy began to flock to the hotel as it offered large rooms, fancy furnishings, an enormous dining room, an outdoor swimming pool and tennis courts. with beautiful flower gardens and gazebos. The stables were full of beautiful horses. The guests could enjoy the healing waters at the spa and have tea parties in the afternoon and lavish parties in the evening with a full orchestra. There was nothing like it at the time. Perfect life. Yeah. You can just kind of picture it, can't you? That, like, late 1800s luxury Victorian thing. Sounds dreamy. Do you think we would have got that with a drug lord being a drug lord's wife? Opium? Is it opium back then that they, they're all down for? Possibly. Yeah, I think we could have got that. However, it's all about to go tits up. No. So sadly, at the turn of the century, people began to realise that the waters did not have a healing effect and little by little, the hotel became less and less popular. So in 1908 to 1924, the hotel was used as a college and conservatory for young women and continued to be a resort during the summer. But yet again... The costs of keeping such an enormous building outweighed the tuition fees and the college closed its doors yet again. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Mm. And can you imagine <laughs> the, the scandal of the day where someone was like, this water is just water. It's not <laughs> healing. <laughs> the scandal. It's not the last scandal you're going to hear about tonight. Oh, oh I don't love a good bum. scandal. Scandal. So, 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 so. What is that song? So, 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 so,
huge past, so I'm not going to get into it too much because it's not really relatable to the story. But fair to say, he was a bit of a crook. He was mainly known as a radio show broadcaster. His station was called KTNT, which meant Know the Naked Truth. And he quickly... Yeah. Saucy. That in itself feels scandalous. It does. The word naked out there in public. (laughs) Naked. Naked truth. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with us? No, I just, I can't, sometimes I just can't cope with how fucking weird we are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he quickly became famous for his controversial topics and opinions. He also released a KTNT magazine to counteract all the negative press he was getting. Some of his opinions involved the amounts of cancers caused by vaccinations aluminium cookware and the fluoride in water. Before his radio years, he had become intrigued with performers known as mentalists. And so he created a troupe for his very own travelling show. So you know the ones I mean, don't you? Back in the day, the little travelling shows with like the the psychic and the bearded lady and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he did that for a bit as well. He then learned of a miracle cure for cancer made by Charles Ozius, who said it was incredibly efficient despite that all five of his test subjects had died. Oh, yeah. It's obviously worse. Sounds great. Yeah. But this got Norman Baker's brain going, and so with his associate, Harry Hoxie, a convicted medical swindler, nonetheless. Fantastic. He created his own miracle cure for cancer and in 1930 opened the Baker Institute in Muscatine and advertising his clinic on his radio broadcasts. Oh, so do you mean that the person that's all anti-vax and everything just suddenly found, a, apparently had as a cure for cancer, but no one should trust all the other doctors and health professionals. They should just trust a, a medical swindler. And because he yeah. obviously has the, the cure. To be honest, Becky, please stop being so cynical. He actually seems really legit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. They've got one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he's basically saying he's got a miracle cure for cancer. He's also got access to a radio station. He's very well known at this point because... But he speaks really loud as well. They're always... <laughs> the stupidest ones are always the loudest. I mean, I mean, he points a lot. Probably. He's a pointer. And you're walking yeah. by and they'll be like, hey, you. And I'll be like, ugh. <laughs> you know when you go to a market and there's people like trying to get you to come and look at their stuff and they're yeah. like, hey, you. And then you're like... Gradually, and they're like, uh, I don't want to go pat and talk men to on you. the back really hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you hate them people that pat really hard? I bet he's a hard patter. <laughs> <laughs> so he had the perfect platform. He's well known. He's quite charismatic, very opinionated, and he's got the cure for cancer. So you know what do you fucking do, yeah. right? So of course this cure is super expensive. Obviously. Yeah, I'm going to say, I bet he's not making any money at all off, off his apparent miracle cure. So, of course, his cure was very expensive, but he assured people that he would cure their cancer without invasive procedures. This feels really legit to me, to be honest. It feels yeah. very um, essential oils to me. 
So the cure was made up of watermelon seeds, corn yeah. silk, clover, yeah. water, mm-hmm. and carbolic acid. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, and was injected into the patient's affected area multiple times a day, sometimes up to seven times a day. Yeah, how do they get the, do the watermelons? Just, are they all ground up, I'm assuming? They're- yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's not actually shoving some seeds in someone through a needle. Oh, be a thick needle. Ugh. Okay. Mm. Girthy. (laughs) (laughs) So on his radio show, he said that MD stood for more dough and that licensed doctors were educated fools and cutters. This man's got some serious banter, hasn't he? (laughs) It's just better. that it just repeats itself exactly the same thing. Is what you hear from all these anti-everything people. Yeah. Exactly the same bullshit. Same shit, different platform. So he was there doing this in the 1930s. Yeah, I'm sure they were doing it before. Snake oil and all that. Is it snake oil? This is snake oil. Oh, yeah. So MD stood for more dough and that licensed doctors were educated fools and cutters incapable of helping patients. He even claimed that the A. MA, which is the American Medical Association, or as he called them, the Amateur Meat Cutters Association. Oh, pure dancer. Go on, son. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. That would be the AMCA. He's a willy. He can't do things. <laughs> <laughs> so he even claimed that the AMA had offered him a million dollars to take his cure off the market so people yeah. would have to opt for the surgeries instead. No, well, they legit. weren't worried about him injecting melon seeds into people's <laughs> cancer. <sighs> well, yeah, they were worried that he was going to cure all the cancer so they couldn't do their expensive surgeries. So they offered him a million dollars for his miracle cure. Of course they did. Well, I really hope somebody listens to this and realises that melon seeds is what we've been waiting for for cancer. Yeah. Please, just let's hope the right people are listening to this. Yeah. Of course the AMA never offered him a million dollars. No, it never happened. Yeah. The Baker Institute made up to $100,000 a month. Hoxie and Baker turned against each other as Baker was making most of the money vanish. Oh. Oh. And it continues. So in 1931, the Iowa Supreme Court sustained an injunction against him and his practice, and he also lost his radio station for venomous, obscene broadcasts against the public interest. Baker ran to Mexico, where he began again to broadcast a radio show, but returned in 1937 and served one day in county jail and had to pay a $50 contempt of court fine. Big fucking what? And all the people that have cancer and probably could have got some sort of treatment all died because of his apparent miracle cure, which didn't work. Well, he hasn't even got started, Bex. So in that same year, he found the Crescent Hotel in a town down on its luck due to the depression. He bought the hotel and turned it into a hospital. Now, again, I repeat, this guy has no medical background whatsoever. Just He's like just a guy. All of them. None of them do. <laughs> These sort of, oh God, I'm, I'm going to get so angry. Go on, carry on. So again, 
Using his miracle cure for cancer as a lure, he treated thousands of desperate patients. Right. He would get them to sign blank sheets of paper so that he could continue writing to their loved ones, claiming all was well and that they were healing, even though, of course, they weren't. They were either dying or dead. But if he kept sending those letters, then the family kept sending that money. He is unhinged. It is unbelievable. But also, I completely believe it was someone like that. This is horrific. Oh, it is horrific. So if you're still doubting this guy's character, he was making an estimated $4 million from cancer patients desperate for a cure, when in fact his miracle cure did nothing. Granted, it didn't harm anyone, but it definitely made people die quicker as they were not receiving the proper medical care. And again, this man was not a doctor and had zero zero medical experience. To me, this makes him nothing more than a murderer and a monstrous one at that. Exploiting dying people for every last penny, knowing that he would never help them. In fact, all he was guaranteeing them was a long and painful death. So there's a special room where people were taken to die away from eyes of other patients and the morgues were always filled to capacity. Baker also had the morbid habit of removing the cancer once a patient had died and keeping it in jars. What the fuck is wrong with him? Apparently it was like somehow to prove that his like snake oil was effective, although I'm not quite sure how he thought that was proof. I, I, I don't I don't get it, but he actually had like shelves of these jars of people's organs. He's a piece of shit. So he eventually got caught and sent to prison for a, a whopping four years. They eventually Sorry, got him on. Who is in charge of the legal system there? Well, what, what after what I've gathered, he arrives at this town that is failing. There's the depression that nobody's coming here. There's no money coming in. This guy arrives, and all of a sudden, there's tons of people flooding, obviously desperate to get help. Um, so he's bringing people to the, you know, to Eureka Springs. Right. And for that reason, I think people were a bit reluctant to actually speak up. And he was very crafty about the way he did things. Either, as I said, he continued to write to families saying that all was well, so the people didn't actually realise that their family member had died. Or he would send, he would say, oh, you're all cured, you're all better. And he would send the person home knowing that they were then going to die at home. But then it was like, oh, well, it's not my fault. You you know, you didn't have the stuff and you went home and and then you died. It's not my mm. fault kind of thing. So he was very, very crafty, this guy, about how yeah, he did it. Yeah, so. So he, he, they, got, they got him eventually on postal fraud because he, I think, was sending, well, obviously sending letters that weren't written by the people that he was claiming to be, I imagine. And also he was selling this snake oil through the post and sending right. this stuff through the post. So people were sending him money through the post and he was, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the postal fraud was for, but that's what they got him on. They didn't get him on murder or anything like yeah. that. It was postal fraud. He got caught for postal fraud in 1939 and did four years in jail as he was also selling the miracle cure through the mail, making him as much as $500,000 a year. Okay. That is immense. 
So after he left prison, after the four years, he moved to Florida and lived the rest of his life extremely comfortably with his fucking millions until he died in 1958 of liver cirrhosis. I I hope that was painful. Yeah, I mean, I never, ever thought I would say this, but if anyone deserved to get cancer, it was him, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What a piece of shit. But, you know, he was good looking, he taught the talk and... He had everyone under his spell. Even the nurses that worked there thought they were helping people genuinely. They weren't aware of this this horrible deceit that was going on. An absolute con man. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah, absolutely horrible. So the hotel slash hospital was bought and sold multiple times until finally, in 1997, it was bought by the Ronics. And I hope I've pronounced that properly. I'm sorry if I haven't. They gradually renovated the building to its former glory as a hotel and spa. And in 2002, after spending $5 million on the property, it finally reopened in all its splendour. It is today one of the most visited hotels in the South. But when you go there, as you can imagine, you might get a little bit more than you'd bargained for. Yes, it's a beautiful place to stay. But at night, the many ghosts of the Crescent Hotel come out to play. See, of all your haunted house stories, the fact that it is a luxury hotel, I'd be more inclined to stay there. I wouldn't be mine. Yeah, me too. Mine as much. Just wait. Depending on what's going to happen yeah, next. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. Just wait. So the spirit that's seen the most often is that of Michael, a red-haired Irish stonemason. So he was one of the first Masons to work on the building back in the 1800s and unfortunately fell to his death whilst working on the roof. I actually found out that what he was doing, so Michael's a bit of a ladies man, and he was on the roof and he saw a pretty girl walk by and he was trying to get her attention and kind of dicking about and he fell through the roof and he didn't fall onto the floor, he fell down the building and he landed on a beam. And that's what killed him. Oh, final destination stuff. Yeah, kind of. So he landed in the second floor area, now housing room 218. So Michael is a prankster and likes flicking lights on and off and playing with the television. People have also seen hands coming out of the bathroom mirror towards them. Ooh, Ooh, that's a classic ghost move. Yeah, I wouldn't enjoy that. And they can hear screams followed by a thud sounding like a body falling from a height. Would you, question, would you rather have hands coming out the mirror or hands coming out like the drain or the plug? Oh, the mirror, I think. I think I'd rather the mirror than a drain. Mm. I don't like either option there, Bex. Can I pass? Well, (laughs) no, you have to pick. No, because I do like looking in the mirror. I do like a little quick glance and I think, oh, if it's going to scare me away from her. But I think if it was like a hand mirror, the hands would be really tiny and funny. I'm going to go drain. Uh, No, mirror. Why did I say drain? No, I was thinking, fuck drain. You said it now. Because you think all about drain, you think, oh, it might have hair on it when the hand comes. Yeah, or it might be it. I don't know why it makes me think of it. Yeah. Well, because he comes out the sewer, doesn't he? Yeah. So I, I don't like either of those versions. I would not like to see anything like that. Write in and tell us what would you prefer, mirror or sink. (laughs) (laughs) So there have also been reports of people getting shaken in their beds and even one guest fled in the night saying the walls were covered in bloody splatters. Obviously when people went to check there was nothing there. 
But I also uh, read that he liked the late, you know, he was he, he liked the ladies, still does, and he, you know, he can caress. You might feel a nice caress during the night, but if Ooh. you're a bloke, you might feel a foot in your back pushing you out of the bed. Oh, what? Well, so he can snuggle up to your legged friend? Exactly. So another well-known spirit is that of a nurse that can be seen pushing a gurney down the hallway of the third floor. Once she reaches the end of the hallway, she vanishes. She is only ever seen after 11pm, which is the time that they would move the deceased down to the morgue in the basement. So obviously, you know, everybody's asleep. No one's going to see the dead person rolling by. Yeah. And if people can't actually see her, they can hear the sound of the gurney wheels rattling down the corridor. To this day, this area still houses Dr. Baker's old autopsy table and walking freezer where he kept his creepy jars full of cancerous body parts. The laundry room is also on, on this floor down in the basement. And maintenance workers have witnessed all the washing machines and dryers turn themselves on and off again, mysteriously in the middle of the night. Uh, it's a no from it's me. It's a no from me. Oh. But it's a spa hotel. <laughs> I'm still on board. I don't mind a quick snuggle in the night. And uh, if she's yeah. pushing it down the hall, you know, I'm going to be in my swanky, lovely bedroom ordering room service. So, not too bothered so far. Okay. Norman Baker has also been seen in the old recreation room that's in the basement or at the bottom of the first floor staircase. He can be seen wearing a lavender shirt and looking confused and lost. He always wore lavender. He loved the colour lavender. In fact, when he took... Weird. (laughs) Yeah. When he took the hotel... When he turned the hotel into a hospital, he painted everything lavender. His car, that's, his car was lavender. That's actually making me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, he he liked. Who's that obsessed with lavender? Haven't we already had a lady that was obsessed with wearing lavender? Uh, I don't think you'd join the podcast. It was the Lemp House. Do you remember Becky? The story of the Lemp House. That was that brewery where all, everybody committed suicide. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, there was one lady there that was obsessed with the color lavender as well. I think actually <laughs> to. To, you know, if you look up the Crescent Hotel, the chimneys on the hotel are still painted lavender to this day. So he always wore lavender when he was alive and his spirit looks identical to his old photographs. Could he be trapped and destined to wander the hotel, lost forever? I kind of hope so. Mm, me too. Because I think that's basically all he did, he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. He's a piece of shit. Absolute piece of shit. I hope that the other ghosts that are there can like beat him up and stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. For some time, the antique switchboard was still used, but when it continuously would receive calls from the empty basement... <laughs> <laughs> nope. One employee went to check if anyone was down there and found the phone off the hook but no one around. So he put the phone back on the hook and locked the door behind him. He returned upstairs and once more received a call from the basement phone. Oh, I don't that's making me feel sick. At this point, <sighs> he was too freaked out to go and check. After re- I'm going to say, I don't think I would. After receiving many inexplicable calls, they discontinued the switchboard. It was in this part of the building that the horrible Norman Baker would scam his desperate patients out of their life savings. He really was a ruthless piece of shit. Mm. In the lobby, there is a posh-looking guy with a moustache and a beard wearing Victorian clothing. 
often spotted at the bottom of the staircase or sat at the bar. Many have tried to talk to him, but he never responds, and eventually he just disappears entirely. In the hotel's crystal dining room, many Victorian apparitions have been seen dancing around the room in the very early hours of the morning. One 19th century gentleman can be seen sat at a table, and when approached, he says, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I am waiting for her to return. That kind of reminded me, have you ever been on the haunted house ride at Disneyland, when you go past the ballroom and all the ghosts are dancing? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that reminded me of. So a former waitress of the hotel has said she has seen a Victorian bride and groom appear in the dining room's huge mirror. She made direct eye contact with the groom before they both vanished from sight. These spirits in the dining room are said to be very playful. On one occasion, they moved a Christmas tree from one side of the room to the other. Then they moved all the chairs in a circle around the tree. And another time, even though the room was in perfect order, all the menus had been taken off the tables and thrown around the room. Creepy. Also a bit annoying for the restaurant staff. A little bit, yeah. Pick all that up. Yeah. In the kitchen, there has been a little boy that's been seen playfully skipping through the room, and pots and pans are also said to fly off their hooks of their own accord. Amongst the most famous ghosts is the girl in the mist. She is said to have attended the College for Young Women and to have fallen or to have been pushed to her death from a balcony. It's been thought that she was pregnant at the time and facing the total dishonour that this would bring, she preferred to kill herself. Or somebody murdered her after getting her pregnant. Maybe. I think it's the second one. People can hear her screams as she falls to her death. And people that have seen her fall say that she's shrouded by a cloud of white mist. And she always appears around 10.30pm. I wonder if that's one of those repeating yeah residual energy Mm. that sounds like it because she's not actually interacting with anybody she's just like reliving the same traumatic thing yeah yeah so many other apparitions have been seen in rooms 202 and 424 to name but a few along with a waiter seen carrying a tray of butter through the hallways so irene castle a dancing legend of the mid-20th century has been spotted by a young girl in the Crescent Hotel. She moved to Eureka Springs, so Irene Castle, not the young girl, she moved to Eureka Springs to be nearer her son during her final years. She would come to the hotel in those later years as she loved socialising and dancing. The family who had the encounter stayed at the hotel every year and one night, as the mother was giving the little girl a bath, the child began talking to somebody who wasn't there. The young girl said she could see a princess behind her mother, even though no one was there. The little girl used words like castle, bob, tango, pirouette and ballerina. It wasn't until the father found out about Irene Castle, the Irene Castle connection to the hotel, that the words finally began to make sense. Castle was not a castle, but it was her name. The bob was a hairstyle that was made famous by the dancer. And all the other words are all dancing terms, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. In room 419, people will see the spirit of Theodora. Now, it is unclear if she was a patient or a nurse at the Baker Hospital. Some even speculate that she was both, starting as a nurse and then developing cancer, becoming a patient. 
Either way, her spirit lives in and around room 419. She's been seen in front of the door, messing around with a big set of keys, and will rearrange guests' things if she thinks a room is untidy. People have reported having their jewellery moved from the top of the desk to the safer spot in the drawers. Others have felt like a light touch whilst being in bed, as if she's just checking on them, which kind of makes me think she could have been a nurse. Yeah. One couple said they had unpacked all their things, and whilst they were doing so, they were having an argument. When they returned to the room, their things had been neatly packed and their suitcases were placed near the door. They took this as Theodora not wanting them to stay and they followed her wishes and stayed elsewhere. Which, yeah, yeah. if I'd unpacked all my stuff and nobody else had been in my room and it was all packed and by the door, I'd be like, yep, see ya. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's my cutie. Yes. There's also the little spirit boy of a boy called Brecky, who's son of Richard and Mary Breckenridge. He died at four years old in the hospital from an illness, possibly appendicitis. Because, of course, Baker's Miracle Cure could cure anything, not just cancer. Oh, God, piece of shit. So he is known to play in the hall with a ball and photobomb guests' selfies. Oh, bless him. So Dr. John Freeman Ellis, the old hotel's in-house doctor, so nothing to do with Norman Baker, this doctor. So he's often seen in front of his old office, which is now room 212. And if you can't see him, sometimes you'll be able to smell his cherry-flavoured tobacco. Ooh. Mm, This is where it gets a bit gruesome. In 2019, a groundskeeper found some jars buried on the edge of the woods behind the hotel. They were still full of liquid. Even though the wax seals were cracked from age, the jars still remained full and intact. People knew instantly what he had found, the famous body parts that Norman Baker would remove from his deceased patients. Oh my God, that's disgusting. That is is vile. He and the staff uncovered loads more and eventually an archaeology team arrived and they uncovered hundreds of jars. So some of these jars had organs in, other jars were just like the miracle cure, you know, his famous formula. Yeah. It wasn't all just body parts, but there were hundreds of jars. So the hotel now offers ghost tours and has had multiple sensitives say that it has a vortex to the spirit world inside. But there's never been really any proof, except that bizarrely, multiple people have felt faint or have even passed out in the exact spot that the mediums say was a vortex. The people that have had these episodes had no knowledge of there being a possible paranormal portal in that spot at the time of their ill feelings. Yeah, makes it more believable then, because if you knew it was there... You kind of get it in your head that, ooh, I feel a bit weird, but... Yeah, exactly. They were unaware. They were completely unaware, yeah. So it's also been suggested that the stone itself, which was magnesium limestone, has some kind of paranormal charge, that it has the ability to absorb and release electromagnetic and psychic energies. So this possibly could explain why this place is so full of paranormal activity. And that is the end of my story about the Crescent Hotel. Oh, I do you still want to go? Um, um <laughs> maybe a Dave, is it? Yeah, you don't want to go for a few nights. Mm, no, not really. No, I'm kind of leaning towards the no. But of all the things that we could have visited up until now, that's my 
It's the one that I'm most likely to probably go to. Well, you let us know how that goes because I sure as fuck ain't going. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm going, you guys are going. If I win the lottery and I'm going, you guys are going. I'm going to force you onto my private jet. Because the minute I get rich, um, it's private jets all the way. Ruin the planet even more. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I mean not 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 oh yeah to ruin no, the planet. I'm only joking. I'd try not to ruin the planet even more. Um but yeah. We would swim there. We would swim there. Dingy, dingy it there. Mate, I'm I'm not a swimmer. With the dolphins. Yeah. That's how we would get there. Yeah. Oh, actually, is that animal exploitation? We wouldn't get there. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, that's our minds made up. We've just got to stay. <laughs> All right, then. We'll just go to like a, I don't know, like a a campanile <laughs> and go there. That's a very famous chain of French hotels. Yeah, just a very like know. average, normal, everywhere hotel. Uh, but no, that was a really, it, it brought up some emotions, did, uh, did that story. Much anger. Yeah. It's got some history. All those poor people. I can't uh, believe swindled it. Swindled by the bastard. Crook. Yeah, absolute. Yeah. It reminded me, um, I'll never do this because uh, as a case, um, there was a, a girl in Australia um, that I think it was something like raw eating, you know, like a, a vegan. She had like um, a recipe book out saying that she cured her cancer, her brain cancer, with with diet. Oh, Do you remember? I've heard this. And she was just a compulsive yeah. liar, and so many people died because they didn't. They gave up traditional treatment. I mean, a lot of people were terminal, but they missed out on months that they could have spent with their family, and then other people probably could have been cured and ended up going this raw food diet and uh she never even had cancer it was all a big load of shit um oh that's horrible she just used it to sell her like cookery books and she made loads of money did she get done yeah well well, she made out on her like she had like a big social media following and um she made out that she was donating a lot of this money that was being given and she wasn't she was just keeping all of it yeah, so she got fined, like... That sounds a bit like Amber <coughs> Heard. <laughs> yeah, Did she, she pledged pledge it. it. <laughs> she pledged Objection it. Objection hearsay. Um, oh, I love to see... Sorry, I was just drinking a mega pint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's still... I'm, I was trying to find an update on her because it was quite a while ago. I think it was back in, like, 2015, something like that. Yeah, she had to pay back a lot of the money that she'd scammed, well, scammed out of people. Obviously, she couldn't bring back the lives of the people that had died because they really thought that, you know, this girl was alive and uh, because of this diet, uh, it was a load load of shit. But yeah, she still owes money. She doesn't pay everything. She just sounds like a female modern version of Norman Baker. Yeah, absolutely. And I watched, I remember back in 2015, as a 60 Minutes interview on this girl she's called bell gibson if you want to look her up you can just see it's just lies every single thing that she says is lies and the interviewer actually kind of challenges her on uh, quite a few things which is good because i think sometimes they kind of skim over things and they're not allowed to say Mm. things where she kind of 
you know, really mixed. She was like, why, how do you feel about all these families? That, you know, and she was like, yeah, but, but I really thought I was, I was doing right. And it was just a lot of shit. Oh, it's the most angry. So anyway, look her up if you want to feel angry for an hour. But, uh, yeah. absolute, absolute piece of shit human. There's, there's one in every generation. There's more than one. Apparently so. Yeah. Well, if Norman Baker's anything to go by in the afterlife, she was not going to have a good time. No, absolutely. So, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Let's. Talking about massive social media following, which we don't have, shall we plug our socials? Yes. Yeah, let's plug it. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok under SCSK underscore podcast. Our Facebook is simply spine chillers and serial killers and over to becky for the email if you'd like to send us anything there you did a very professional voice there tash you were like it's my time to shine motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) and the email address is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com so hope you enjoyed the episode and uh yeah see you next week yeah keep safe guys don't kill people and keep it weird bye bye Bye.